0: GM. I'm always on the hunt for fantasy books that will spark my imagination for campaign encounters or character creation. Any suggestions, Sarah? Morgan, remember who you're talking to.
1: Of course I have a suggestion. I just finished this oh-so-wholesome fantasy about a retired adventuring orc starting a coffee shop in a medieval town, and you absolutely must check it out.
0: Hey. Hey! I'm your host, Sarah, and I'm your other host, Morgan.
1: We are two sisters, by marriage, who love to talk about stories,
0: from writing fiction and creating elaborate plot lines in D&D, to talking legends and lattes
1: with author Travis Baldry.
0: We're out Out of of initiative. initiative.
1: As you know, we're avid readers of all things magic, romance, and fantasy, and we're thrilled to share that we're joined today with a special guest, Travis Baldry, audiobook narrator and author of the cozy fantasy novel, Legends of Lattes. We're so excited to have you here, Travis.
2: I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah, Can you give us a quick introduction about yourself for those that aren't familiar with you?
2: Um, Well, by day, I'm uh, an audiobook narrator these days. Um, I think I've been full time for two or three years. Before that, I made uh, video games, action RPGs for about 20 something years. Um games like Torchlight and Fate and Rebel Galaxy. And uh last year, I guess I accidentally started writing. <laughs> so um I, I guess I do a little bit of everything.
0: Torchlight was actually really good. I that was that is in my Steam library. Uh, I was kind of delighted to see your RPG background when we were started talking about working with you. And I just think it's so fun to know that you've got this like fantasy experience that like spans multiple genres so i think we have to ask the most pressing question which is do you play DD?
2: i have not played actual D since high school everyone is always asks and i always feel a little bit embarrassed but i never found a group after that i got married i had kids i had work and so everything i did is like D adjacent like torchlight so i made a lot of role-playing games i spent a lot of time in fantasy and I read that, but I haven't played D&D in forever now.
0: There's nothing wrong with that. Like, to be clear, we're <laughs> always like, ooh, who can we indoctrinate? Like, who can we bring in now? Like, what's next? Want to join <laughs> us? We'll a bring group, you in.
1: Yeah, finding a group is hard. It's really hard, especially as an adult. We've talked about this, finding friends as an adult, like outside God, of your work yes. or outside, right? <laughs> and, and I
2: work in a box all day.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, finding, yeah, other people of similar interests, it's tough. It's tough. So I,
2: I think my D and D is it's gonna be Neverwinter Nights. It's gonna be you know, it's 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 all digital D and D at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm sure you've been asked this uh, many times before, but when you're thinking about fantasy books and there are many, um, what inspired you to whittle down into this specific genre of fantasy and write Legends and Lattes?
2: Um, so initially it started out as kind of a joke, um. I narrate a ton of, like, action-adventure stuff, which is always, like, a dude protagonist, you know, fighting world-ending odds or whatever. Um, and I was joking around, and I said, you know what I really want is just, like, a Hallmark movie set in the Forgotten Realms. Um, <laughs> and so that that's kind of the genesis of the book. Originally, I was like, yeah, it's going to be some, like hard-charging executive dwarf and she's going to have to go home to save her dad's like mining operation and she's going to find love and there'll probably be something Christmassy or you know whatever it was just like a very classic Hallmark movie thing but then ended up being this instead and uh it didn't end up being jokey at all (laughs) unexpectedly
1: that's exactly how it felt was a Hallmark movie the whole time I was like oh my gosh this is a Hallmark movie and it's it's amazing yeah
2: I mean, that's what it's middle of COVID, you know, everything is awful. The world is on fire. I look out my windows right now and it's like it's the apocalypse because of all mm-hmm, the fires.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and uh, yeah, I just wanted something nice.
0: <laughs> for sure, for sure. You definitely delivered that with this piece. I just feel like there were times when I laughed, there were times when I gasped. I did, I will be really honest. And, and, i tend to be kind of a i get really into emotions of stories anyway but i did absolutely shed a tear um the no spoiler version is at the moment when we see the sign the second time uh the second big and i literally like i paused the audiobook and i had to like okay 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 uh and it really it felt like it, it was that wholesome hallmark um it was sweet it was like in this fantasy realm that we're so familiar with but still uh really a lot of heartstring tugs a lot of a lot of heartstring tugs there
1: oh yeah oh yeah especially because the story so much is piecing Viv your main character piecing together this life and and collecting and building and then towards the end that you know non-spoiler like she has to kind of start over again and I was it was it was intense it was great
0: There's something that has been like really pressing on my mind since I started the book, which is I I want to talk about this love letter you wrote to coffee, Um, (laughs) because the book kind of reads like a love letter to coffee. And as a coffee drinker myself, I that resonated with me. You big coffee guy. Is that like I I
2: absolutely am. I absolutely am. And uh, that was another thing I really missed was actually going to a coffee shop, seeing people's actual faces and all the things that go along with a coffee shop you know, a good coffee shop that has all the right vibes. Um,
0: You had this, like, layering of it, too, I mean, of the vibes, right?
2: Yeah, kind of assembled over time, you know, getting all the little bits. You've got the students that never pay for the Wi-Fi and, (laughs) you know, the the random animal that's always showing up, and uh, there's just all these little elements that are like idealized coffee shop for me. Um, I used to live in Seattle up on Queen Anne um, and we had a favorite coffee shop, which doesn't exist. It didn't survive COVID. It was called El Diablo and it was this Cuban coffee shop and it was great and our whole family went there for like, (laughs) I don't know, like 17 years, you know? So um, I had a lot of affection for that place and places like that and obviously some of it ended up in there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that resonated.
1: Yeah, and the food so, did you do like research on all this food? Like, how did I you did decide? I did not.
2: I did <laughs> oh. not. I was just like this sounds really good right now.
1: <laughs> I as soon as I finished it, I immediately had to go get a chocolate filled croissant cuz they're oh my gosh, they're so good. And I was like, I need one. I need one right now. It was I was so hungry.
0: As a reader, there was a real joy in hearing what the ingredient was, how he was laying it together. And then they would describe it, and it was like, "Can I figure out what it is before the characters give me something more definitive?" Yeah. And like, "Oh, it's going back in the... Oh, it's biscotti. It's biscotti. It's..." And I'm like, "Oh, (laughs) hey, I figured it out!"
1: Like, (laughs) and then what are what are you gonna name it? You know, and and it was cool how it was there was a purpose for each new thing they added. There was a reason behind it, and I just I loved that aspect of it. It was it was really fun.
2: I'm glad people like it when it shows up on the menu. Didn't yeah that, but. yeah
0: oh yeah i think the last update on the menu you know there were so many emotions leading up to that that last update on the menu i was just like oh chef kiss that we were getting the whole read through one more time and i
1: would i was like Four bits, yeah, I'd pay that. Yeah, like the whole time like yeah, for a reasonable bits for some amount. Roll? Sure. Totally.
2: Absolutely reasonable. <laughs> that's, that's very reasonable. I love ambiguous currencies. Yeah. <laughs> it
1: was great. Like when you had the price, I was like, Yeah, that's fair. That's fair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so in your mind, was this a real um a real type of coffee maker? Was it like a mechanical coffee maker, some sort of magic type or was some something uh, in between? To me it's,
2: it's like it's like physical f- physical. There's no magic to it. It's like to me, gnomes here have like a they have a whole other city. Azimuth is their main city and they're kind of like the bleeding edge of technology. So this stuff kind of filters out, and this is something that's popular there. Um, that's that's just now kind of coming into being. So it's all mechanical and steam. I imagine it looks like a more fanciful, like Italian espresso machine. Probably. The Italian, some more like gauges. a mechanical
0: Italian is what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um with, you know, some little extra flair to it.
1: I love it. I loved when at first she first got it and she like hooked it all up and then you have to like wait, you have to wait yep. for everything to heat up and she had to wait and she was just so like anticipated. I was just, it was great. I loved is
2: it going to work? All this, all this trouble. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> One thing I noticed you had is, you know, there's kind of a found family mm-hmm. vibe with this and you had this pretty large cast of characters. How was it to kind of write From all their different perspectives, did you find that, any of them, more challenging than others?
2: Um, I don't think so. I mean, most of them had had a pretty strong voice in my head when I was writing them, and some of them didn't have much of a voice, but that didn't matter. Thimble doesn't say a whole lot. You know, everybody had, like, a reason to be there, which helped, you know? It was kind of like, the whole book is about assembling stuff. It Mm -hmm. really, it's like fixer-upper or something, but... With people and a building. And it has some of that same, like, dopamine hit, right? You put together the group. You put together the team. You know, you put together a a friend group. You put together a building. You put together a business. You put together the ingredients and make the food. There's, like, this. You put, you assemble the menu over time. You know, all the things slot into place. And I think that's, like, some of the satisfaction of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it kind of felt, like, almost like Animal Crossing or something.
2: Somebody called it competence porn. Somebody called it competence porn and I thought it, that was
1: that's it. Yeah. When you watch those like videos start to finish like building. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's so satisfying. There was an
0: element of like move that bus at the end. And you like, like, yes, I can't <laughs> wait to see what is upstairs. What is it? Um, move the bus. We want to see it.
2: Move the bus, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so were there
1: any characters that you enjoyed writing the most? Or you felt um, Need more screen time.
2: I liked writing Viv. Um, I mean, I, weirdly, I really liked. I liked some of the secondary characters. I liked Lack. I I didn't expect I would like him, and then I did. Like even the, he's almost like a. I don't want to. He's like almost like a. He's almost a bad guy, but not really.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I I I just liked. I like enjoyed the fact that I liked him more as the book went on um and i like cal because his you know he's got very specific mannerisms and he's kind of like the sort of gruff dad
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. always
2: knows how to fix everything
1: i remember at the beginning when they were done and he's leaving and viv's like Sad that he's leaving. and I was sad. Like, oh no, he's going back to the docks. Right? He worked at the docks and go make yeah. our boats. Yeah, and he's done. He's done. Like, oh, we're done Oh, I was upset too. Like, I, I really liked him. He was one of my favorites. Also.
0: <laughs> so speaking of writing from Viv's perspective, you made a really conscious decision by choosing a female character. I think that that definitely resonates with the Hallmark theme, right? Like going down that like Hallmark movie. Those are often set from the perspective of the, like a female protagonist. But what made you choose to write from the voice of a female character?
2: I wanted to write a book that was not what I normally am reading. And I, my reading is largely dictated by what people cast me to read. So I'm always reading guys. And I, I just, I, it's the opportunity to do something else. And I would much rather do a different perspective, you know? And there's a lot of me in Viv, but at the end of the day it's you're just writing you're writing her as a person, you know. And and, and the, the whole book is like almost it's all about an opposite that does that becomes something else. It's like a it's all like a, a flip from one side to the other. You know, the warrior who becomes like a business person, the um stable that becomes a coffee shop, the succubus that is like arty and thoughtful and you know, that's not it's, there's basic misunderstandings um so i guess for me it was almost the same thing you know doing doing something that wasn't what i would normally be expected to do
0: that's fun how did it feel to kind of step into the shoes of a character who's so different from you
2: i liked it a lot and there's the thing is there is a lot of her in me because a lot of the i did one job for 20 years and then i've Tossed it all by the wayside and did something totally different that I had no experience with and just took the leap and discovered that there was a whole community of people there that I didn't know existed that I ended up loving. So there ended up being all kinds of weird parallels that I didn't initially intend to be there, but they were there. So a lot of it felt, I I find Viv really easy to write because she has a very straightforward voice um, and she can make mistakes, but she's, she's an adult. Everybody in the book is like an adult.
0: I loved that. that so was nice.
2: I, I find them easier to write. You know, it's like I don't have to manufacture like teenage drama. Angst. <laughs> the dramas are like just really normal dramas to me. Things that I don't feel embarrassed to write. Like, I just want to figure out how to do this. I just need to figure out a way to make this happen you know i'm i'm in a new place i need to navigate this it's not like oh i had a misunderstanding and now for the next 100 pages i'm going to not <laughs> talk directly to the person i had a misunderstanding with and that's going to manufacture the drama so it was just i don't know i i enjoyed writing that
1: yeah you could definitely tell by reading viv very strong voice she had a very very driven uh purposeful and and you're right like okay it's a problem how do i get over this problem or if there you know she just was kept going forward and and determined.
2: And it's not that she's not an emotional person or doesn't have Mm -hmm. you know, another, has more complexity to her than that. It's just, it just feels like these are the kinds of people that I wanna be around.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right? And you're gonna spend a lot of time with them when you're writing them, you better like them. So yeah, yeah.
0: So the lack of uh, the like classic angsty drama that I think you get in a lot of romance I think it's what made this book feel so cozy to me. It was, um, I really struggle with finding books that thread that line between really slow versus like just white knuckle adrenaline. The whole world is on fire the entire time. And it really felt like books needed to be one or the other, but I felt like you really captured um, compelling without the looming threat of global annihilation. You know, like I didn't want to put it down the entire time. I read the whole thing in one sitting. Well, like I took a break for lunch, and I like, like went to the bathroom and stuff, but like <laughs> but really, it was like it was like one we sat down, and I just like I just needed to know how it was how it was going to end, and the stakes were high for viv, but they weren't necessarily classically high stakes from a fantasy story. um how did you go about kind of establishing that pacing where we're compelled, but we're not worried about the world ending
2: um mostly, I just tried to ask questions as I went that I wanted an answer to, like at different scales of time. Like there's the big question is like, at the beginning is what is she even doing? Um, And then the next is, well, is she going to be able to pull this off? And then there's all this, it's just like nested smaller and smaller questions. And every scene generally had to have some purpose. You know, something changed or happened that hopefully asked a question or answered a question. So that you constantly have that little stream of things happening. Um I get really impatient with padding in books, which is probably an artifact of reading them out loud because it's really <laughs> obvious if like a chapter's not doing something or a scene isn't doing anything, I get antsy because of, like I don't have anything to work with. I'm just treading water. So um that probably fed back into it to a certain extent. I want a question asked or I want a question answered.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you could you could see that if there aren't really high stakes, it could get stagnant. Absolutely. So, did you feel like you had to trim a lot from your book? Was there was there Actually, no
2: um, the end book is mostly what was written. I outlined it, oh. I wrote it, and during the edit, uh, I think we took out two thousand words, which are just like you know, pad you know, fluffy nonsense, and added about two thousand. So it was almost exactly the same length after I went through editing as when I wrote it. Um, we added like couple of minor scenes to like just keep somebody present. I think I added like a couple of small scenes with Amity and I think there was a scene or two with Cal in the middle, one when he's gone before he comes back that I added additionally just to kind of keep him keep him present in the story, that kind of thing. And like a few conversations that got expanded. So more it was it was adding than subtracting probably.
1: And most recently Tor did what you have a new Deal with them? Did they reach out to you? How did that come about? That's...
2: Um, so after the book got released, I got contacted by three different agents, um, wow. about taking it. So I would never have thought to do it. Um, and I sort of mulled it over and said, well, why not? I I launched it my way and I did it. Might as well see what the other side is like. Um, yeah. So my agent went and shopped it and tour came back Tor UK came back really quickly. Um, and they had um I am forgetting what it is called. It's a um it's a deal where you have basically a a time limit. Um okay. they try and give you a they give you a, a better deal and if you'll commit within a certain amount of time, they wouldn't want to get into a bidding war. Um and it was nice and I like Tor a lot. They are constantly putting out books that I like. Um, so I said, sure, why not? Um and then they went and sold the international rights and then Tour U.S. picked it up, which was great because that means I get both tours. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah. I really like the people. It's been really cool. So that relaunches in November. Um, and then we'll see how the other version goes. Um, it's almost identical book-wise. It's got, I, I I took a few, there's a few words I wanted to change, so I did. And I think a lot of the punctuation twiddled around for their house style, but it's largely the same book, um, except that it has a, a prequel story in it now
1: okay and so what's coming in november is that the uk one or the u.s one both
2: both Both? the u.s is november 8th and the uk is november 10th the u.s is like a trade paperback and the uk is a hardback
1: and the cover are you keeping the cover or do they the
2: u.s cover is largely the same it has like a different typeface for the for the logo and but the actual artwork is the same the uk cover is different um for the hardback, but it does have the art on the interior.
1: Okay, okay, because I love, I love the cover. I love I the mean, art. Was, I think the art perfect. is like,
2: it, it just. I think it sets up the promise and the premise of the book really well.
1: <laughs> yeah, why mess with perfection? Because it's just, it's, it's perfect. It fits the book.
2: The art, the artist is uh, Carson Little Miller, and he did a great job.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: I want to, I want to talk about audiobook narration mm-hmm. and how that influenced your writing here. So as an audiobook narrator obviously you read a lot of books yes uh which i i think it's fair to say probably shaped your writing as you're talking about kind of like trimming down the fluff uh this book was really to the point and it was really clean and there were a couple parts where i kind of was reading them back out to my husband just like oh i really liked the way this flow like this was a good description like from a dm perspective and from a writing perspective and So as you're thinking about your audiobook experience, um, where in the process did you decide that you wanted to narrate it? And did that influence how you wrote the book or uh, any decisions you made about things like music or voices that Mm ended up in the final manuscript?
2: Um, I assumed from the beginning that if I finished, I would narrate it. So in my head, I was basically narrating as I went along. I think that I've just kind of developed that muscle to a certain extent because I'm constantly reading and translating the voice. So when I was writing it, it was kind of like I was narrating it, which is really helpful for dialogue <laughs> because I know what people sound like. I have all their voices in my head. I know what I know who they are, which is which is handy. Um, but yeah, I, I knew from the outset that I would just narrate it if I did it. Um, I wasn't expecting much out of it. I was doing it because I just I was going to write a book. And I was going to go through the process that my authors go through to put it out and learn about Kindle Desktop Publishing and all this stuff. Um So I, you know, I was hopeful that maybe enough friends and family would buy it to pay for my cover art. Um, but I could get the audiobook for free. So
0: <laughs> did you when you're thinking about like how readers consume this material, do you have a like in your mind, do you think all else equal it would be better if they got the audiobook? Because that's you know, even more of your voice coming through?
2: Um, I mean, I'm really fine either way. I think the audiobook is a good... I mean, it's it's probably the closest you can get to how I intended it, right? Because it's literally me and the pace that I would read it at and where I would put the emphasis on things. So it's probably the most me version of it, but that might not be the best version for somebody. Um, also, notably, I'm... I'm not a female and I'm reading it from basically a female perspective book. Fortunately, I mean, it helps that she's an orc maybe, but <laughs> 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 a little deeper yeah. voice. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'm really kind of fine either way. I'm kind of, you know, whatever, whatever works for somebody. There's something nice about having a
0: book yeah both ways is nice
1: yeah yeah i definitely there are some books that's like i i need the audiobook especially like if they're really dense or heavy sometimes i just need someone else or if they have really you know some of those fantasy sci-fi books and their names i don't know how to pronounce or the place yeah. but they have the narrator you know that knows how to do it i love that um but this was great because it was you and so you're you're right like it, it came through exactly how you want it to sound
0: and some of us points to self uh, have ADHD and like to listen to the audiobook while reading the ebook at the same time, because it really does kind of force me to stay yeah. in it the whole time. Uh, and, it, and yeah, there's something to having the author doing the narration uh, that makes me like, I, I trust it more, right? Like, I trust that all these names and all these emphases are going to be where they need to be.
2: I feel like I had a cheat code because I do this all the time. <laughs> so it's nice to have kind of like that cheat of like yeah. actually narrating. Um, if I was not a professional, professional narrator, I'm, it's probably less likely that I would have read it. I probably would have, would have reached out to somebody else to do it, but.
1: <laughs> I have one last question. And, uh, after I finished the book, I got online and I was searching and trying to figure out if anyone else had had the same question as I did, but, and you can, you cannot tell me if, if you don't know, but. Darius, the gnome chess player. Yes, yes. yes. What is? Are we going? Are we going to know more? I like. I is... would
2: like. My plan was to have him appear in other stuff.
1: Okay. Okay. Because I was, was the like, plan. he's so cryptic, and I love him, but I was like. Why? Why are you saying these things? What's What's going on? And of course, nothing. Google was was helpless. Yeah, there's not
2: much it. to. There's not much no. out there. Um, no, there's clearly like a kind of like a time thing going on with him. So, I, the second book I was going to write was going to have him featured, but re- considerably more. And I got a ways into writing that book, and then I binned it for now, and I ended up writing a different thing because it just wasn't what I was ready to write yet. So. The next book does not have him in it, but there's a okay. good reason why it doesn't have him in it. But the okay. plan is at some point to do what I intended to do with him. <laughs>
1: okay. We'll get some answers at Hopefully. Some point. Okay. Hopefully.
0: <laughs> or we'll get more cryptic dialogue.
2: More cryptic dialogue.
1: I actually went back and like reread, like, did I miss something? What? Like I went back. It was, it was great. It was fun.
0: Maybe uh, Travis, do you want to let us know like places where we can buy your book or anything that you'd like to plug?
2: Um, so, Legends and Lattes is going to relaunch uh, through tour in November, 8th in the US, 10th in the UK, uh, trade paperback in the US, hardback in the UK. Um, it's also being translated into uh, at least eight languages by now, which will be trickling out um, after that. Um, and. Uh, The new version has a prequel short called Pages to Fill that's around 10K words, um, and all the paperback versions will have that for an exclusive period of time before I think it's going to end up in other versions as well.
0: Well, Travis, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, We're so excited to pick up the new version of Legend and Lattes when it comes out. And if you want to hear more from Travis uh, and the two of us, we're going to be continuing for a part two, which is going to come out in two weeks. Thanks for joining us today. We've been Out of Initiative, but we're going to get back into it. So get out there, roll some dice, tell some stories, and we will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Out of Initiative, a podcast from Merely NPCs. For more from Sarah and Morgan, follow them on TikTok at Merely NPCs or visit them online at MerelyNPCs.com.